Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flagler Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message and our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verse 6 and 7, and then we're going to reference just one or two more in this same passage. But in verse 6, here's kind of a right jab from Paul. That's what you got to love about him. He don't kind of, he don't beat around the bush. He just comes out swinging. Verse 6, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know, as we shared just a moment ago, we've been seeing so many people surrender their heart and their life to Christ and every story is different. But what he's speaking to right here is this one thing that every story has in common. That if you've been purchased by the blood of God, if you have surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what your story is that got you to that point. But the one thing that every member of the body of Christ has in common is this, that we have received Christ Jesus as Lord. That's salvation. That's what unites us. That's what unifies us ultimately is that we have received Christ Jesus as Lord. And so we're gonna spend some time this morning on something that is gonna seem very, very elementary. It's gonna seem something that is very bare bones, if you would. And we're gonna spend some time looking at this phrase. What does it mean to receive Jesus? Because if you're not careful, that's one of those church terms that we throw around a lot. That we say things like, oh yeah, we've seen so many people receive Christ. We've seen so many people receive Jesus. And those are one of those church lingos that honestly a lost world is gonna think, what in the world do you mean? What are you meaning? that you've received Jesus. Because a lost world is wired a lot like us as believers because you realize that we weren't were a part of that lost world. And when we think about receiving something, we think about, I know me, maybe you're hearing how selfish I am. When I think about receiving something, I'm thinking about receiving a Christmas present or a birthday present, right? We receive it. But when we think about receiving that gift of a, of, of Christmas, or we receive a gift for our birthday, there's, there's a problem because when we receive those type gifts, we just enjoy them for a little while. And very soon thereafter, we lose interest. Because you know, there's always been, we were talking about this this week and it's so funny, I remember as a kid, for my grandparents, I remember how we would pick out our Christmas gifts from grandparents. We would get the Sears and Roebuck catalog. <laughs> I really just dated myself, didn't I? But I remember I would get that Sears and Roebuck catalog and I would lay it across my lap and I circled everything that I wanted. 
And when I circled everything I wanted, I thought, man, this is the one gift that I can't live without. This is the one gift that I have to have. But what happened was once I received it, I lost interest very quickly because it never appeared the way that I thought that it was gonna be. And maybe today you can be sitting here and you think about receiving something that way, but think about receiving a child. Think about receiving a child at any capacity, as a mom and dad, as a grandparent. Maybe it's just a really close friend that's had a baby and you've got to be a part of receiving that child. Maybe it's your brother or sister has given birth and now you're the aunt and the uncle and you've got to receive that child. Let's just be honest. We receive that gift a little bit differently than when we receive a, a Christmas present or a birthday present. We embrace them. We cherish them. But even in receiving a child, you're gonna enter into a season where you've gotta let go of that child. We watched Parents last week is graduate recognition. We watched parents weep. We watched friends weep because they know that they're now entering into a season where they're gonna have to let go of this very child that they have received. But when we look at the scripture, when Paul says here that you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, this word received here it carries a lot more weight than what we use in our English language. So what Paul is referencing to when he says to receive Christ Jesus the Lord here, the word receive means to take to it, to join one's self with it. So when we say the thing that we received Christ Jesus the Lord, that means that we are clinging to something, but not only are we clinging to something, he is in return clinging to us. The two are becoming one. We are being meshed together. We are joined in this relationship that we are united with Christ Jesus the Lord. And I love how Paul's language here. If you look in verses six through 15, there's seven different times that we see the phrase in him or the phrase with him. You see, being in him and being with him is all in reference to receiving him. So when we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, we're joining up with him. We are now in him. We are now with him. And so what we've got to understand is that's a lot different than us just receiving a Christmas gift that we're going to lose interest in. That's much different than us receiving a child that one day we're going to have to let go of. When we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, this is something for eternity. This is something that there is no separation. And we're gonna kind of dig into that a little bit more in just a moment. But when we look at the phrases in him and with him, all that is pointing to what happens when we receive him. But look, I'm a very logical guy. I'm a very common sense guy. So in order for me to enter into something, I must exit something else. Here's a pretty practical way. 
Every one of us are in the sanctuary right now. But we all got in here because we left the lobby. After church is over, we're all gonna enter into the lobby, but the only way to get into the lobby is to exit the sanctuary. So in order to enter into a relationship with him, in order to receive him, once we step into it, we've gotta leave behind something else. In order to step into something, we in turn have to leave something. We have to exit something. And so remember, Paul is talking to new believers. In the church at Colossae, he's talking to these new people who have just been born again by the grace of God. Look around us. Every week, we are seeing new believers come to know him. We are seeing people step into a relationship with him. But the beauty in that is not just the fact that they're stepping in him, but they're leaving something behind. They're stepping into new life. They're leaving the old life behind. And we're gonna keep talking about that in just a moment. But these new believers that Paul is addressing, the new believers that he's talking to in Colossians chapter two, or in the whole book of Colossians for that matter, is he speaking to the fact that they've left their current condition and they've entered into new life. They've entered into something new. They've stepped into it by receiving him. And he speaks to that in verses nine through 11. I want you to read with me in verses nine through 11. And look, this is kind of hard to process, so we're gonna break it down in just a minute. But in verses nine through 11, Paul continues to go on to say, for in him, there's that phrase, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all of the rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And I know some of you are going, is he about to talk about circumcision? <laughs> yeah, we are. We're going to. Because the reality is, I know to you and I, we think of that and it's just something that happens to a child. But what you gotta understand is in the context of this, this is something that the Jewish culture, that the Jewish tradition was very, very familiar with. It was a performance that was done by human hand that was a marking of a covenant with God. It was an effort that was put forth by human hand that marked the covenant that had been made with God. So the Jewish tradition is they were very familiar with this. In their mind, in their law, in their rules, this is something that must be performed in order for God to be pleased with them. And so what we have to recognize is they understood this. They understood the language that Paul is using here. And the problem with why Paul is having to address this once again, because if you remember, the gospel has set them free from the law. The gospel has set them free from the Jew Jewish tradition. 
And so what's happening, if you remember going back when we first started, there's a lot of false teachings that are working their way back into the church at Colossae. There's a lot of false teachings that are making their way back in. And this was one of them. Not necessarily the idea of circumcision. Yes, it was talked about. But what these false teachers were now reintroducing was that you as a human being, you still have the ability in your flesh to please God. That you can still live by these certain rules, that you can still live by these certain laws. And if you do this and you do that, then God will be pleased with you. You see, there's a problem there because this is completely contrary to the gospel. This is completely contrary to what Jesus has been teaching. This is completely contrary to what Paul has been teaching. Because if you remember, even in Jesus' teaching, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, we don't have to flip there, but Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with it. I came to fulfill it. I came to do what you can't do in your flesh. He says, you can't live righteous enough. You can't be good enough. You can't perform enough to make God love you. Because even our righteousness, even when we think we're good enough, the Bible says that it still is filthy rags. So Jesus is telling them there, here, look, you can't do it. No matter what you do with your hands, no matter what religious activity you do, no matter what you try to perform, you can't perform well enough to earn the love of God. You can't do it. And Jesus said, because you couldn't do it, I've come to do it for you. I've come to do it for you. And so what Jesus is saying in the gospel, ultimately is he's saying this, I have come to rescue you from the bondage of performance. I have come to set you free from the bondage of you trying to make God love you. I've come to set you free from this mindset that if you do this and you do that and you accomplish this, then somehow God will now be pleased with you based off your performance. He said, I've come to set you free from that. I've come to do what you cannot do. And I've also come to rescue you from the punishment of what you can't do. I've also come to set you free from the punishment of not being able to be good enough. I'm taking it upon myself. And so what Jesus is calling them to do, what Paul is calling them to do is to stop trying to satisfy God with your life. Stop trying to earn his love. Stop trying to think if you do this, God will love you more. Because the reality is, is the reason that God loves you the way you, that he does is because of the precious blood of his son. When he looks at you, he doesn't see your activities. He doesn't see what you do, but he sees what his son has done if you are in his son if you have received his son, if you have stepped into that relationship with him. So Jesus is saying, stop trying to satisfy and just trust that my life has done it for you. Just trust 
that my life has done it for you. And this is him saying, just cling to me, join to me, I am enough. When you receive me, rest in I am enough. The Bible, we just read it a minute ago, we are complete in him. That means that we are a finished work to be presented to an almighty God. Yes, there's gonna be sanctification. Yes, there's gonna be purification. That's gonna be part of the growing, which we're gonna talk about in just a minute. But as far as your eternity goes, you are complete through the blood of Christ Jesus. You have been made complete in him. And this is the very circumcision that Paul wants us to understand. What, this Jewish, what these Jews are having to do, what we as a church, what, these, what lost people must do in order to enter into this relationship with him, they must turn their back on their old way of thinking. They must turn their back on everything that they used to do. They must turn their back on their old nature. And when we turn our back on that, we're no longer trusting in our abilities, but we're, we're trusting in the finished work of Christ Jesus the Lord. We're turning our back on what we used to think about ourselves and now we are finding our identity now being in him, being a part of him. Now that we have received him, we are one with him. We are in that covenant relationship, not because we're good enough, but because of what he has already accomplished. So this circumcision that Paul is speaking of is the separation of the old and the new. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Paul there again challenges, he says, for those who are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have now become new. That is what a new believer looks like. We have died to the old and now we are in the new, being in Christ Jesus. We've left the old behind and now we're trusting fully in him, in the finished work that he accomplished on the cross. So when we receive Jesus, when we're linked up to Jesus, when we're clinging to him and he's clinging to us, we are joined to him, and this is what makes us new. This is how we are now a new creation. And these new creations, we've been celebrating a lot of them lately. We've been celebrating a lot of people stepping from death to life. We've been celebrating a lot of people. And I honestly would be scared to say a number now because I don't know. We were in the upper 50s until last week. And then I know that there was three people that surrendered their heart and their life to Christ in the second service last week. I heard of another one after church. I heard of one more during the week. So I don't even know anymore. But praise God, I don't know. But we're gonna keep celebrating. And with every text message or every phone call that I receive that says so-and-so have given their life to Christ, when they've turned their back on the old and they've entered into the new. Can I tell you, there's such a sigh of relief. As a parent, 
As a father, when my two boys tell me that they've surrendered their heart and their life to Christ, as a parent, it is that I can breathe. There's a sigh of relief when we hear of this new life. And church, don't miss this. We're never gonna stop celebrating that new life. If we have to open back up the baptismal pool, which is ultimately what we're doing now and baptize every week, we're just gonna keep baptizing every week. And I know that some of you, you'll be leaving here in a minute and go to small group, but I encourage you, if you wanna witness the baptisms, if you wanna see what God is doing, just because it doesn't fall in the nine o'clock, we're all one church family. It ain't got anything to do with nine o'clock and 1045. If you wanna stay put and then go to small group, stay put and celebrate it with your family. Celebrate what we're about to do in the 1045. But church, what I want you to understand is that yes, we're gonna keep celebrating. Yes, we're gonna keep rejoicing in the Lord, but can I tell you this, and you've heard me say it before, that celebration is not the end. That celebration is the beginning. Look, everybody knows, November 27th, we're gonna have another baby. Do I look excited? I am. Some of you are just going. <laughs> but if my wife gives birth to this child and we celebrate it, we have all the parties. We have all the people come to see the baby when they get home. But then we just sort of stick the baby over in a room and leave it. How's that gonna turn out? It ain't going to. Yeah, it will. <laughs> I'll be in jail. But what we've gotta understand is that every time somebody steps from darkness to life, this is a birth. They are being born again. So how in the world do we think is the church that we can just celebrate it and that's the end? Can I tell you, that's when the journey begins. It is our responsibility now to nurture, to feed, to help grow, to link up arms with these brothers and sisters in Christ and not only celebrate them, but to walk with them, to disciple them, to move with them. So understand that yes, we're never gonna stop celebrating it, but Paul just jabs us all in the face as believers here. Verse six, therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk with him. You've received him, so now do something. You've been joined together with him. You are now one with him. Now act like it. You are now one with him. So, we ought to start looking like it. You're joined with something. We will be transformed. So Paul says, you've received him, now do something, walk in him. If you remember just the two to three weeks ago, this is kind of the thing we introduced. God didn't save you to sit. God saved you to empower you. 
God saved you to move you. God saved you, now you're on the army and the army's job is to keep fighting. The army's job is to keep moving forward. The army's job is to keep moving in the army that God has now placed us in. He didn't save us to do nothing. John 15, five, Jesus in his teaching says that he is the vine, we are the branches. Now here's what I wanna challenge you with. With that being said, Jesus saying that he is the vine, meaning that he is life. And if we are attached to the life, then there's no way that we can be attached to life and not show life. It's an impossibility for us as a believer to be now found in him, to be walking in Christ and for there not to be life change. A difference in who we are. We can't be attached to something with so much life and show no life. It's an impossibility. It's a supernatural impossibility. But what we've gotta understand that even as followers of Christ now, even in these new believers, we've gotta walk with him the same way that we received him and that's by faith. We've got to walk in him the same way that we received him, and that's by faith. And a believer who is walking in him, it is guaranteed that they will show growth and they will show progress if you are truly in him. And that's where we're gonna land today. Colossians chapter two, verse seven. He says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. In verse seven there, that is all the product of salvation. That is all the product of receiving him. That is the product of now being in him. The first thing that it says is, it begins with the growth process. It says that we are rooted. It starts with the word rooted. This is your salvation. This is an agricultural term. And I want you to listen to the definition, the weight of what this agricultural term means and the reason that Paul chose it. It's an agricultural term that means once and for all having been planted. Did you hear that? Once and for all having been planted. This is salvation. This means in the moment that you receive him, this means that in the moment you cling to him, you are immediately rooted in him, you are planted in him once and for all. Some of you aren't getting that. Once and for all. That means that your ability to stay rooted has nothing to do with how good you are. That means your ability to stay rooted is the idea that now you are in him and once you are in him, there's no getting out of him. 
because you are now in Christ Jesus the Lord. You are in now the palm of his hands. And according to the scriptures, once you are in the palm of the Father's hand, there's nothing anyone can do to pluck you out of it. You are rooted once and for all in him. You are in him. You are rooted in him. You are firmly planted in him. But if we're planted in this life source, if we're planted in this soul that provides life, that transitions us to what comes next. Not only are we rooted, but we're built up. We're built up, which is an architectural term that is not one time, but it's a constant journey. This is the growth process. While being rooted is a one-time thing. Being rooted is a one-time event, but being built up is a constant journey of growing, of producing life. Look, we've all seen bushes. We've all seen, you, you've entered in, this has been a weird spring. It's like we got flooded and now we haven't seen rain for days. So all of those plants that looked alive are now becoming wilted already. And we're only in May. And so as the gardener, what we do is, I know I oftentimes reference to a hydrangea bush, but we look now and those, those pretty flowers are now wilted and they're ugly. And so what we have to do is we have to go break all that off. We have to go throw that stuff away. But you see, the hydrangea is still rooted. There's still growth there, but being built up sometimes takes deconstruction. Sometimes being built up is getting rid of some of the old things because look, we're still fleshly people. Our flesh is still gonna to wanna to entertain our flesh. But when we begin to cling to the life desires that our flesh has, it doesn't produce the life of what we're rooted in. And that is part of that self-evaluation where we have to be the gardener and we have to ask the Lord, God, clip away anything in my life that doesn't look like your life. But being built up is something that is constantly going to be moving forward. Being built up is what leads us to the last thing he mentions here. We're rooted. We're being built up. And the result of us being built up is it says that we're established. That we're established, meaning that we're stronger. Meaning that we're even architecturally thinking about, you've seen houses in the beginning process of their construction. They see the, the, the house is framed up. But in many cases, if a storm comes, if the winds blow, because the house is in the process of being built up, it gets demolished and it gets thrown away. And so this is why we as the church 
that yes, we're rooted. Yes, we're gonna be built up, but we've gotta make sure that we're staying constantly being built up so we'll, we'll be more established. So we will be stronger when the winds of life come, when the storms come. And sure, some boards gonna get knocked off. Yeah. Are some limbs gonna fall off? Yeah. Are we gonna get beat up? Yeah. But the reality is, is you'll never be uprooted. You'll never be uprooted. And this isn't even in the notes, but this is just the picture that, that God has laid on my heart of being rooted. Yes, we are rooted in him. But if you look out in your backyard, what is always the tree that gets knocked over? It's always the tree that's out there flying by itself. But you see, this is the importance of unity. This is the importance of community because when you look into a forest, when you see a tree that is rooted in the soil, yes, it is rooted in the soil where it is getting life, but you see what happens is all of those roots are entangled with all of the other trees that are around it. So then when the winds come, yes, we are rooted in Christ and yes, Christ has the ability to hold us on his own. But this is the important part of us being entangled with other believers because as we see other believers that are being tossed to and fro and they're being thrown about, those entangled roots is what helps keep us straight. Help keeps us from getting knocked over. That all of our roots being entangled with one another is what gives us the ability to stay growing and to be established, to be established in him. But when we're rooted, when we're built up, when we're established, when we survive the storms of life, this is when we overflow with gratitude. Because we realize that our ability to stay standing has nothing to do with our performance. It has nothing to do with how good we are, but it has everything to do with who we're rooted in. It has everything to do with who we're rooted in. And so the question is this morning, have you received him? Have you joined together with him? Because if you have, you're gonna be able to tell. Because you can't be attached to something that gives life without showing life. You can't be attached to something that's gonna produce fruit and not produce the fruit. And so that's what I wanna challenge every one of us with this morning. If you don't get anything right this morning, if you don't settle anything in your heart this morning, I've been praying for you all week that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you that you're not rooted in Him. 
that you're still stuck in this performance mindset. That you're still thinking that somewhere in you that you can make God love you. That you've gotta fix this or you've gotta fix that. Many of us grew up in church singing a song, come just as you are, just as you are. Don't worry about the cleaning up. Once you're rooted in him, once you're rooted in the Savior, this is when you begin being built up. And when you're built up, that's when you become established. And so the question that I, that I ask you this morning, the most important one, are you rooted in him? Have you received him? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.